Welcome to Domestic Chaos, a new podcast. I'm Burr Beard. I am pissed and getting more and more generally pissed off. I am pissed at the Republican culture wars and the people elected to school boards to persecute teachers who want to tell the truth in history, current events, and environmental issues. Fake news is presidential lies told on a daily basis to create opportunity to control the news cycle and to direct rabid following from the truth. I'm pissed about rampant conspiracy theories, climate and election denial, fraudulent political candidates and elected officials, fraudulent because they espouse the points above, uncertainty and accompanying agony. What will happen with the ongoing January 6th commission? Possible DOJ indictments, related trials, Steve Bannon convicted, conviction, what about sentence? New York Circuit Courts, Georgia election fraud investigation, at least 884 insurrectionists jailed so far. What about the mastermind? And will Trump announce that he'll run again before the midterm elections? This would be his ploy to distract the media from season two of the September 6th House Select Committee this September and throw chaos into the run up to the November elections. Domestic chaos, local beat. Coming from central Pennsylvania, I'll add segments focusing on our own issues like midterm elections and the campaigning controversies between Democrats and bizarro world Trumpist candidates. Today, I'll start with the basis of my podcast title and the concept of domestic terrorism. I became aware of the term in 1995 with the Oklahoma City bombing, where Timothy McVeigh, connected to a right-wing militia group in Michigan, was executed for the crime. Then there's the rash of mass shootings, over 300 so far in 2022, mostly all young white males under 21 who have in most cases purchased or had purchased for them legal AR-47 automatic weapons. We could talk the Second Amendment. Written when colonials had smooth-bore long rifles to answer the call for militia troops, such as were raised by George Washington in the start of the American Revolutionary War. But the militia raised by Donald Trump on January 6, 2021, carried AR-47s. In the Second Amendment, who can start a militia? The government? Crazy individuals with AR-47s? In his book, Eagle and Sword, The Federalists and the Creation of Military Establishment in America, 1783 through 1802, Richard Cohn wrote, No principle of government was more widely understood or more completely accepted by the generations of Americans that established the United States than the danger of a standing army in peacetime, because a standing army represented the ultimate in uncontrolled and controllable power. Any nation that maintained permanent forces surely risked the overthrow of legitimate government and the introduction of tyranny and despotism. Mental health in the Republican Congress. Quote, I think the answer to the shootings is better mental health care, whined someone recently on social media. Today, nobody, apparent or otherwise, under the watchful eye of counselors, doctors, or teachers, has flagged any of these psychopathic kids before they sink into the hell they are in to go out and murder other kids. 
Republican governors a lot little or no mental health monies. The Highland Park, Illinois shooter is still alive, one of the few to survive his shooting. But his father names no culpability for his son's actions, yet asks for a long prison sentence. That father bought that AR-47 for his kid. We had an assault rifle ban, which in 1994 was effective at reducing crime and getting these military-style weapons off our streets. But the bill passed with a sunset provision of a decade put in place under the pressure of, well, you guessed it, Republican congressional members. The Democratic Congress is trying to renew the ban, but Senate filibuster will squash any hope of passage. As long as Republicans are controlled, i.e. funded by the NRA, will likely never ban assault weapons or stop psychopaths, domestic terrorists from committing mass murder. You're listening to Domestic Chaos. I'm Burr Beard. Yeah, I've been loath to equate Donald Trump, Steve Bannon, Stephen Miller, Rudy Giuliani, or Roger Stone to dictators or sociopathic villains of the past. I do equate Trump with the mafia, Roger Stone, the founder of Republican Dirty Tricks and presidential campaigning, and the rest, well, they're just assholes of the radical right. But it is interesting to look at the history of Mussolini and Hitler at World War II was getting underway in Europe in terms of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, so-called militia and paramilitary military groups in America today. This from Socratic.org. Increasing street violence in Europe after World War I between left and right led to the formation of paramilitary gangs. The black shirts were Mussolini's thugs and original fascist paramilitary. Black shirts were an important part of Mussolini's March on Rome in 1922. The march was an effective coup d'etat giving Mussolini power over Italy. Brown shirts were an early Nazi paramilitary. They were the SA, or Strum to Lung. They were the creation of Ernst Rahm. Rahm helped Hitler a great deal with financing and supplying guns. His SA provided Hitler with muscle for Nazi party meetings. Hitler was not entirely happy with that arrangement, however, since they were Rahm's SA and not Hitler's. The SA were a small organization to start, but grew tremendously, and eventually countrywide. Adolf Hitler finally got a group of men that were truly his organized SS, the Schulz-Staffel, or Guard Detachment. These men were thoroughly indoctrinated into the Nazi creed. SS were known as the Black Shirts. The SA continued and procured a shipment of brown uniforms that had been destined for German troops in East Africa during World War I. Thus, the Brown Shirts got their name. The SS grew to be a smaller but parallel organization. By the time Nazis were in power, the SA had grown to four to five million members under Rahm. In 1934, a plot organized by Himmler, the leader of the SS, and Hermann Göring was to become known as the Knight of Long Knives. Rahm was arrested here and eventually shot, and the leadership of the SA was systematically killed over one weekend. The service of Rahm's brown shirts dissipated. Washington Post reported that Oath Keepers leader Stuart Rhodes and other far-right leaders grew more visible during the rise of Donald Trump, who they perceived as an ally and who was the first major party presidential candidate to be widely embraced by the militia movement. 
The Oath Keepers raised more than $350,000 in crowdfunding campaigns to cover their travel and other expenses to attend the pro-Trump rally outside the White House on January 6, 2021. This is according to researchers at the nonpartisan Canadian Association for Security and Intelligence Studies. The group booked a block of hotel rooms and Stuart Rose has said position so-called quick reaction forces nearby in case of emergency backup was needed. The January 6th Select Committee has heard testimony from White House staffers under Trump, particularly Cassidy Hutchinson, that a December 18th, 2020 Oval Office meeting was critically important, as advisor Michael Flynn told Trump that he could invoke martial law as part of his efforts to overturn the election that he lost to President-elect Joe Biden. Trump then watched for several hours as the White House counsel and other White House lawyers destroyed baseless factual claims and ridiculous legal arguments offered by Sidney Powell, Mike Flynn, and others. A tweet in the middle of the night, December 19th, 2021, brought the neo-American militia and other unsuspecting Trump big lie believers to Washington on January 6, 2021. This was a bloody test of American democracy that ultimately failed. That anybody still thinks this traitor should run for public office is absurd. Even Rupert Murdoch's New York Post and Wall Street Journal have denounced Trump based on the findings of the January 6th committee. Now we learn that Trump used RNC campaign funds to pay for his current legal bills. Trump lawyers claimed in court this week that he should be given absolute immunity from civil lawsuits stemming from his January 6th actions. So here's a local beat in Pennsylvania. Trump is replicated in the form of Doug Mastriano running for PA governor and to a lesser degree, Dr. Oz running for U.S. Senate. John Fetterman is playing a game of Where's Waldo? looking for us somewhere in his home state of New Jersey. He doesn't seem to be advertising on TV yet, and neither is Mastriano. Mastriano was the point person in Pennsylvania for Trump's fake elector scheme. He has worked tirelessly since the 2020 election on Trump's behalf to fight Joe Biden as the legitimate president. Oz was cited mingling with an Allentown PA farmer's market recently, Uh, but of course New Jersey is only minutes away on I-78 from the Lehigh Valley. Mehmet Oz has disappeared to Florida and even to Ireland to visit family in July. A new poll sponsored by Fox News shows Fetterman with double-digit lead, 47% to Oz is 36%. And the Philadelphia Inquirer recently reported that Oz also trailed Fetterman in fundraising, raising only $3.8 million from April to June. That number includes $2.2 million that Oz loaned to his campaign. Josh Shapiro is running well-produced, compassionate ads about people he has helped as Pennsylvania's attorney general, such as triumphing over Big Pharma and the opioid crisis and putting winnings into drug clinics across the state. Larger Democratic ads paint Mastriano as anti-abortion in all cases, including rape and incest, and totally denying climate change. Of course, Mastriano was at the January 6, 2021 rally in the Capitol insurrection, as was Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry, not to mention Missouri Senator Scott Hawley. 
Mastriano spent $3,000 to bus over 100 Trump supporters to D.C. on January 6th. In July, Mastriano attended the screening of a film at the Mega Christ Community Church in Cumberland County. The film Return of the American Patriot, The Rise of Pennsylvania, was pulled from screenings twice in Lancaster County earlier. Vice says, at first glance, the controversy surrounding the Christ Community Church might seem as hyper-local drama. However, its apparent embrace of Mastriano's campaign puts it squarely in a simmering national concern about surging Christian nationalist ideology politicizing American churches around the country. That concern has reignited the decades-old debate around churches, specifically accusations that some are just political organizations masquerading as religious entities in order to maintain tax-exempt status. This week, Congress is working to right the wrongs of assault weapons and the Supreme Court ruling to dismantle Roe v. Wade. The House Judiciary Committee advanced the assault weapons ban for the first time in decades. And with the Right to Contraception Act, the House hopes to ward off Judge Clarence Thomas' foreboding language in his Roe argument to protect a person's ability to access contraceptives and to engage in contraception and to protect health care providers' ability to provide contraceptives, contraception, and information related to contraception. Most media focus has been with President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, however. Finally supported by West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, there's still no word on whether Arizona Democrat Kristen Sinema will sign off on the bill or whether a Republican filibuster will come. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 would make a historic down payment on deficit reduction to fight inflation, invest in domestic energy production and manufacturing, and reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40 percent by 2030. The bill will also finally allow Medicare to negotiate for prescription drug prices and extend the expanded affordable care program for three years through 2025. The fiscal 2020 budget reconciliation bill would invest $300 billion plus in deficit reduction and $369 billion in energy security, and climate change programs over the next 10 years. Also, the bill would make the biggest corporations and ultra-wealthy pay their fair share in taxes. There are no new taxes on families making $400,000 or less and no new taxes on small businesses. The bill would close loopholes and enforce the tax code. So that's domestic chaos for this episode number one. Thanks for listening trying to spotlight the crisis we face as Americans in an uncertain reality. The show is produced by Burr Beard and Eleanor Howard, with help from Jan Hamilton. We've decided to develop the show as a series of personal vignettes, political awakenings by various people in little-town America, kids who grow up on Kennedy, the 60s, the war at home and in Vietnam, civil rights, demonstrations, and Woodstock, colleagues thinking they could change the world, who left home and moved on, filling their lives with interesting, alternative, and amazing experience. See you next week, same time, same station. I'm Burr Beard.